This is a podcast about betting on sports, which is something you can do to try and make money. One important thing to know is that this podcast is not going to be the reason you get rich from sports betting. To repeat, we are not going to get you rich. There are sleazeballs abound all over the internet who will be happy to take your money to chase that lie. Here, at best, we might make you a little bit less awful of a better if you're lucky. Bet at your own risk. Don't bet more than you can afford to lose. And Godspeed. Welcome back to the Jay and Silent Rob podcast. Jay Swa. Season two, Rob. What's going on? Uh, it's been five months since we've done a podcast. Uh, not much has happened since then. No news. Uh, yeah, it's just a little five-month hiatus. Um, yeah, we got sports back, man. We got sports back. We got a podcast back. Season two. Uh, don't call it a comeback. Uh, what's new in the neighborhood with you? You know, uh, living the dream out here. Uh, I think I told listeners back in, in January, we got engaged. So we're going to get, get married you soon. I. You and I got engaged. <laughs> Jay and Silent Rob are getting married now. <laughs> Uh, I'm marrying a very nice lady uh, in October. Um, my dad let me back on his YouTube TV account, so now I can watch sports again, which I know you'll love. That's great. Let everyone know that you've got two experts on sports here for this podcast. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, I still can't believe you tricked uh, an actual uh, cis woman into marrying you, but uh, mm-hmm. congratulations on that. Everybody needs uh, a win. That's it. That's it. Uh, but yeah, we're back. I uh, hope everyone's doing well. Uh, we are excited to, to be back. And we kind of just want to, just like we have the playing games uh, with, with all the sports, you know, we this is kind of a little bit of a playing game for us. Kind of everyone's getting back into it. Um, you know, as, as every podcaster will tell you, take a five month hiatus. It, it, it takes a little bit to get back. But uh, we did we did intentionally wait a while to to you know, start the second season because we didn't want to kind of provide anything. Uh, you know, we didn't want to just put content out there. We, we feel like it's going to help uh, in this strange, strange times of sports uh, to just, you know, look at the the games a little bit more intelligently and uh, provide a little perspective. We're going to first talk about the, the MLB uh, and then kind of move towards the NBA and the NHL. Uh, just to kind of restate what the purpose of this show is, is just to provide a more transparent look into the world of sports betting we're not looking to give you guaranteed winners. We're not looking to do any of that stuff, like we say in our disclaimer at the beginning. Uh, although it is somewhat uh, facetious, it is it is true. We you know we're not giving you locks because there are no locks. Um, there's people on TV, there's people on the internet that, that promise those things. Those things are not true. Uh, we look at things probabilistically, and um, that that's the only way you can really bet on sports. So um, while we will talked mostly today about baseball the nba and the nhl once the nfl gets going in about four weeks uh we will mainly focus on that uh the next two episodes will be focused on the nfl kind of getting ready for the fantasy football next week and then the week after that being uh kind of the nfl betting preview looking at all the teams um but yeah let's dive into some some baseball uh rob anything you want to mention before we get started here i i think that first note on the show notes i, I want you to read that one uh, the first note here. Yeah. So the most important thing that I could say in this entire show is that the Marlins are at the top of their division, the NL East. That's exactly right. So we have the Marlins winning their division currently. The Orioles are above 500 and a playoff team. Um, and, and the big thing I want people to take from MLB is, is you know, 
first of all, baseball is such a random game in a small sample size. And we are in obviously only a 60 game season. So a very shortened season. But we're also doing this with, um, you know, just just unprecedented circumstances. Uh, just some examples. Um, Rob's Marlins uh, have missed nearly two weeks of, of action. Uh, the Cardinals have played five games um, and they are playing a doubleheader tomorrow in Chicago in an effort to curb the virus. They are individually running cars and driving to Chicago. So so they're not on a bus uh, giving it to one another. So uh, if you take one thing from this podcast is this is a, a utterly random year of baseball, an utterly random year of baseball. And that's before we even get to the playoff, uh, the new playoff format, which, uh, you know, makes things actually even more random. So before we get in that playoff format, other than you want to maybe repeat that phrase about your Marlins, is there anything you want to talk about from the baseball you've seen this uh, so far? No, I don't think so. I want to mention that it's, it's, you know, just in the, the lexicon, not the lexicon, just in the history of weirdness in sports, I think it's a great year for the Marlins to win the world series for like a, several reasons. Um, we're a little bit overdue. We got this hot start. Everyone's mad about us maybe not taking the protocol very seriously. That is just the perfect formula for God to uh, grant the Marlins a gift of another extremely fluky World Series. So just put that out there. Absolutely. I love Jeter's claim of a player going out for a milk. That's uh, why he got, he got COVID. <laughs> that would be nice on the old trophy. But yeah, let's look at the playoff format. So this year, there. They're expanding to 16 total teams, so eight teams per uh, league. It used to be five per uh, per league, but now it's eight. So the, the one through three seeds are going to be the division winners. Uh, the four through six seeds are going to be the second place in the division. And the next two teams, so seventh and eighth, regardless of the division, will be in the playoffs. Uh, the biggest change is the it used to be where the one through three seeds would get a buy there. They wouldn't have to be in the wild card. Now they have to be in the wild card. So a team could, let's say, hypothetically go 60-0. and 0, They still would not get a buy. They would still have to play a three-game wild card series in uh, the first round. So this new format really hurts the Dodgers and the Yankees, who are the clear two best teams uh, in each league. Uh, and it really benefits those teams who – um, really the four through six, uh, or should say three through eight really benefit because three through five are shielded from playing the top two teams in the first round, which is pretty much a crapshoot. A three game series. I mean, you know, I think that Orioles just swept the Rays in a three game series this, you know, a couple weekends ago. Like it's just baseball in a weekend series is just completely, completely random. Um, so very easily these these teams that don't have to face the one or two seed, you know, maybe the seven and eight seed beats the one and two seed uh, and they never have to face them. Uh, so and then you have to also remember the division series is only five games. So it goes from wild cards, three games, division series is five. And then the championship series is seven. The World Series is seven. So this is much more likely uh, be much more like a, a hockey format uh, or even an NBA format except that the sport of baseball is much more random uh, than than even hockey, uh, but especially more random than basketball. So we're going to look to capitalize on this. Um, anything before we kind of look at some indicators, how we're going to capitalize on that, does anything jump out to you about that or any questions you have about that to try to clarify? Yeah, is it true that it is scoring down thus far? Uh, it is, it is. <laughs> they just... <laughs> 
the MLB's brilliant PR, uh, you know, spill or uh, spin this year. Uh, they just realized, uh, released that they've been using humidifiers, what they've been using in Arizona and Colorado. They've been using, I think, four other stadiums. I forget the stadiums. Um, so that's one factor. They're also last year there was a big scandal about how the balls were doctored, uh, more so not even a non-humidifier uh, uh, stadiums. But yeah, all around it is down. Scoring is down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that is that is a good note. So uh, I'm thinking when you're talking about those seven seven eight seeds. And the randomness that's already inherent in a three-game series with a one or two seed, one hot pitcher, like like that's it, really. Like absolutely, all, all these incredible lineups that the Dodgers and the Yankees have could be, could definitely be neutralized. I find that exciting personally as as a fan. I think that's awesome. Yeah, as a fan of the the Marlins and Orioles, absolutely, we should find that very very. We want randomness. Yeah, no, but mm-hmm. absolutely, it it is exciting. Now, is it fair? No. Um, but you know, I'm not going to lose any sleep over Dodgers and Yankee fans, um, thinking something's unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to look uh, for some teams, um, uh, to kind of benefit from this. And these are some teams that maybe start out slow or maybe just barely make it into the playoffs. Um, a, a really great thing that's going to help us is the trade deadlines only 17 days away. Um, we're taping this on uh, August 14th, so it's August 31st is is the deadline, and it's only two, you know, just over two weeks away. And right now, only two teams have less than a 10% chance uh, of making the playoffs. Just the Pirates and, and Mariners. Sorry, Andy Andrews. Um, but uh, you know, really, there's just so much in flux, and there's so much that you know these teams don't even know if they're going to be in or not. And you're also going to see the trade down line. It's going to give us a, a insight on the the franchises that actually care about uh, you know winning this year. Mm-hmm. And to give you an example, the Red Sox. I think they did a really smart move. Um, first of all, I, I, well, trading Mookie Betts. That's that's debatable. But they shut down Chris Sale about in April and, and have him get Tommy John surgery. As soon as this all came up, they just kind of said, you know what? Let's just take a step back this year. And so they traded Mookie in March. Uh, they traded, or I think it was maybe February. They uh, they shut down Chris Sale. They shut shut down their left-handed Rodriguez, Eduardo Rodriguez. And they're just, you know, they're not, of course, coming out and saying it, but you're connecting the dots that they're just saying we don't really care about this year. And you look right now, they actually are in last place in the ALE. So two years ago, um, they, didn't they like win the World Series? I mean, you know, it it, it just, I think it is smart what they're doing, but it, it's showing you that. The, the actions they're making are telling us that they're not caring. So we might look at some of these teams that are starting really hot, let's say the Marlins or whatnot, and they're still you know high up, let's say, during the trade deadline. Are they going to make moves, or are they still saying, we don't really even care about making the playoffs this year? Um, so there's some things to look at. As far as teams that have underwhelmed so far but have the talent, not just preseason expectations, but just the talent uh, in general that could make a potential run, uh, we're looking at like the Reds, the Nationals, the Phillies, the Astros, and the Rays. The Rays have actually just won six straight, so they're probably not on that list anymore. But those other teams are all under 500, um, but they all have immense talent. And if they get in, uh, you know, they, they can, they can uh, you know, get some things done. Also, we want to look and see if those teams, for example, like the Astros, they have a terrible bullpen. Are they trading for bullpen pieces? Or are they just kind of saying, hey, we're, you know, everyone hates us. Uh, our bullpen shit, you know, let's just take it a step back this year. Um, and, you, you know, you, you don't know. A lot of people are bashing on them, uh, rightfully so, but I don't know if you saw Zach Greinke 
and apparently was tipping his pitches in, intentionally and still striking out people the other night, which I thought was pretty boss. He uh, said he said second sign after two. That was awesome. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, you, but you never know. I mean, the name of the game, like I said, for for really all of baseball, uh, all of sports, but especially baseball this year, is it's flux. And, um, you know, it doesn't take long for something to show in a 60 game series to be act- or a season to be to be actionable. You know, it might be a hot, you know, two series stretch where it says, all right, they're making a run for it. Or, you know, hey, they make a trade, something of that nature. Um, so really, you got to be looking at these things, um, you know, because they change within the week. Like I said, I had the Rays written down. Uh, for a while, but they just won six straight. So that just changed in one week from them being on, you know, on a losing streak to now they're above 500. That I think they're only a couple of games behind the Yankees. You're not going to get a good price on them. They're a great team, um, and and you know, it, but that's just an example. of we want to get that maybe when they have a one or two game winning streak, um, not when they have their six game, or if that if that makes any sense. But just mm-hmm. and, and obviously we'll, we'll we'll update that, and I'll be more active on Twitter uh, to just just make those things known. Uh, but those are just angles we're looking at. Uh, as far as getting any insight from this year, the only notes I had, you, you mentioned the scoring being down. I had, uh, the bullpen seemed to be more important. Starters aren't going as deep, uh, for, you know, a multitude of reasons. Uh, but really everything else is it, it's a small sample size and you really can't pull too much from it. It's hard to know what signal and what's noise. Uh, we're just going to kind of wait and see. And, and like I said, that August 31st trade deadline is going to be a huge, um, kind of indicator for us. Uh, is there anything you wanted to touch on before we move to the NBA slash NHL playoffs? It sounds like one theme is definitely flux and kind of volatility. Like mm-hmm. uh, there's a huge, huge range of possibilities now. Is it fair to say that sort of a little bit more parity in baseball across teams and across opportunities is now is now the case? Um, uh, so yes and no. Parity induced by the league based on everything that's going on, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's unbalanced schedules, right? You're only playing the AL West. If you're, you know, if you're a West Coast team, you're only playing the AL West and the NL West, right? You're only mm-hmm. playing the AL East, and the, so things of that nature. Um, but the the top teams, you know, if we had a 162 game season, you would see the lowest of lows. So you'd see like the Tigers, the Orioles, the Marlins have like. 40 50 wins which normally the you know previously the the worst teams would only have 60 65 wins mm-hmm. uh and you'd see the dodgers and yankees like 105 110 which are like i think the mariners records like 114 or 116 wins like all-time record mm-hmm. um so those teams are really good but like i think what you're bringing up given what the league is doing uh probably somewhat intentionally is it is ma- making more parity uh, mm-hmm. So it is making more randomness. Uh, you, I'm just saying don't go out there and bet the Yankees and, and the Dodgers to win the World Series because they have to win three series, uh, two of which are shortened series, just to get to the World Series. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, there's just so much randomness involved. Um, but, yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, that's a good point to bring up. And so, yeah, the major themes, flux, wait and see. Um August 31st, you know, will tell us a lot as we approach it. And, and you know, we'll, I think we have two podcasts we're going to tape before then, so we'll we'll be updating. And uh, yeah, it's just fun to watch. It's fun, and, you know, it's just it's good to see baseball back. It's good to see baseball back. Um, now we're going to move to the major differences between the NBA and the NHL playoffs. So I, I do not bet uh, serious money on the NBA or the NHL, and I don't really think it's a smart time to kind of just pick up and, and put serious money on that. At least personally. Uh, 
you know, I, I've thrown a couple of bucks down on, on certain games, like for Capitals games. I saw they were playing like shit, and you know, I made some money against them, uh, things of that nature, but nothing serious. Uh, but I do want to go over some major differences that can make you at least think of the, the you know, watching them differently, and, and maybe uh, pick up on some some betting opportunities. So the biggest thing is, or one of the biggest things is, the NBA bracket doesn't recede, while the NHL playoffs do recede after the first round. So what that means is. The Lakers are going to play the playing winner, either Memphis or uh, most likely the Trailblazers, and then they're going to play the Rockets uh, or the Thunder. There's there's no reseeding that. So that bracket, as it comes out, it, it's a definite thing. So the, the Rockets are one of the more um, kind of they're not favorites, but they're like that second tier. If they could have potentially avoided playing the Lakers in the second round, they would be a you know much more likely to, to win, but they're going to have to beat the Thunder, which about 80% of the time they're going to do. But then they'd have to beat the Lakers and most likely the Clippers just to make it to the finals. Um, whereas in the NHL, it's still in flux. Um, so, for example, in the East, uh, the two best teams are, are most talent-wise, at least, are Tampa Bay and Boston, but they might play each other in the second round. Based upon if a, if a lower seed loses. So, for example, the number one seed is Philadelphia and Montreal. Philadelphia is not the best team, uh, but they won the playing games to get the number one seed. But Tampa Bay and Boston uh, might play each other in the semifinals. So we might look at this as a betters and say whoever is playing Philadelphia, who's the one seed but not really a one seed. Uh, might be a great play. And that, that's something that could very easily be the Islanders who, who might uh, upset the Capitals who are looking like absolute dog shit right now. They have a game tonight, um, which will pretty much show the whole series. If you, you don't come back and, and win uh, after the, the way they lost game one, but that, that's for another podcast. Um, <clears throat> anyways, um, but just more thinking about how the playoffs are different, uh, the, the reseeding. And, and I'll talk, expand about this as the playoffs go uh, on. But it's just something to be thinking about. It's very important to know the playoff rules and how the playoffs are done. Uh, the second thing I want to touch on is there's most likely uh, there will only be two NBA uh, series in the first round where the favorite uh, is not going to win 70% of the time or more. And what I mean by that is so the Jazz and the Nuggets play each other. Um, that's the only one that's under 70% in the West Coast. That's about the Jazz are about 63%, I believe, to win. Uh, whereas the or excuse me, the I have it at the bottom here. The Jazz are expected to win 42% of the time, whereas the Nuggets are supposed to win 63% of the time. Obviously, there's 5% extra in there because that's how the bookmakers make their money. But um, that's pretty much the only close series in the West. And the only close series in the East for the first round is going to be the Heat and the Pacers. Conversely, in the NHL, only two series um, is the favorite expected to win more than 70% of the time. So on the other side of the spectrum, we're going to see a lot more upsets in the first round in the NHL. Uh, already we have the, the Caps are down to the Islanders. Um, we have Calgary is, is uh, the sixth seed is uh, um, over the three seed Dallas. Vancouver, the five seed over the four seed. So you're going to see a lot more randomness and, and upsets in hockey. And that's just the nature of the game. Uh, hockey is, you know, you got 20 some odd players. Uh, the freaking boards are random. I mean, it, it, we'll talk about this a little bit towards the end when we actually talk about the, uh, you know, hockey as a sport, but it's just much, much more random than the NBA where you essentially have 80 some possessions to demonstrate your talent. You know, whereas hockey, a lot of times it's a weird bounce. It's a it's a, you know, uh, bad penalty call, penalty shot, something of that nature. Whereas NBA, it's 
you know, if this guy can shoot from 35 feet out, you know, that's something he can repeat, you know, things of that nature. Um, and just to highlight the the upsets you're going to see, so the NHL had a play-in round uh, where it saw two 12 seeds beat a five seed. Uh, so the Canadians beat the Penguins and the Blackhawks beat the Oilers. Uh, also, the 11 seed uh, Coyotes beat the six seeded Predators. This would be the equivalent of the Knicks beating the Pacers, as well as the Kings beating the Rockets and the Bulls beating the 76ers in a five game series. So that's very, very unlikely to happen. Uh, the statistics have it as um, under normal circumstances, the better team in the NBA playoffs advance 80% of the time, whereas in the NHL and the MLB, it's usually just over 60% of the time. And that's in best of seven formats. Uh, this year, the MLB is going to play the first round in a three-game uh, setting, and, or, or three games first round in the wild card, and the five games in the second round. So that's just going to favor the underdog even more. Um, so yeah, anything jump out to you about those major differences between the playoffs there, Rob? No, no, I think the story is pretty straightforward. Um, one set is exceptionally more random than the other. The NBA would get a lot more like our base rates are just going to hit a lot more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just, you know, the, it, there's just a lot less variables. Um, you know, you have the, the, you know, usually in the playoffs, you might get a 10 man bench, but usually nine, eight people are playing. You get the stars are playing nearly all the minutes. Um, like I said, hockey, the best players, the Ovechkins, they, they're on, you know, they're on the sidelines more than half the game. Uh, so it, it's just, you know, you, you just a lot more variables Then you factor in the ice, the bounces, you know, things of that nature. Uh, exactly. And an NBA, you know, not so random hockey, very, very random, very, very random. Um, the last couple parts, I just wanted to give you some basic, um, angles to look at, not even actionable, but just kind of more strategic, just kind of getting you think the way betters do. Um, a lot of this is kind of stuff I use for college basketball. Um, I, like I said, I do not bet the NBA for, for real money. Um, but just, just to maybe make you watch the game a little bit more intelligently. Uh, the first note is there is obviously no home court. Home court is massive in the NBA. Obviously you get home court advantage during the playoffs. You would get four games at home whereas the other team gets three. That's obviously out the window. For the points uh, spread, it's usually about a six-point swing. So, for example, if the Jazz would be a one-point favorite playing the Nuggets in Utah, uh, that would mean the Nuggets would be about a five-point favorite playing the Jazz if the game were in Denver. Uh, because this game's in a bubble, it's a neutral, you would have uh, the middle of those two, which is the Nuggets being favored by two. So if you think about that, instead of having uh, you know four games where the Nuggets are favored by five – and, you know, three games where the Jazz are favored by one, you're going to have seven games potentially where the Nuggets are favored by two. So that's going to, you know, help the underdog. It's going to be more random. Now, obviously, you can break down who has more home courts, things of that nature. Like I said, this is just a very basic, basic overview. Uh, also, another thing is, is a very common angle is a team that just lost betting on them as, um especially when they are coming back home. Obviously, there's no home court, but still human nature for a team that lost the first game to be more motivated to win the next one, especially if they feel like they lost because of a tail event, whether it be poor shooting or maybe the other team shot unbelievably well or there's a bad call, things of that nature. Uh, I don't mean to trigger you, Rob, but I play pickup basketball, 
and you know if we lose a game like that i mean and we we want to play that team right after them and, and we always come out you know playing stronger i, I think it's just you know, it seems very oversimplistic but it is true it is human nature um were you triggered by that rob or are you okay uh i was i had to take a second i just I did some breathing exercises but but now i'm back so, so that's just you know the the no home court. Um, that's just more flux randomness. Like I said, it's just basic strategy to look at. Um, the second one being use regression to your benefit. Three point shooting. Um, also free throw shooting, but mo- mostly three point shooting. Just with a modern game is just extremely random in small sample sizes. Uh, so if a team is off to a seven for ten, you know, start behind the arc, especially if they aren't really good looks, they're more kind of, you know, well contested, but they still went in. Regression is going to be coming. So more, more times than not, betting on the other team, whether that's live betting when it goes to commercial or maybe second half betting um, is, you know, more times than not going to be a good bet. Like I said, not all the time. Don't do a blanket statement. This isn't going to, you know, this isn't don't put your retirement money on this. Not saying that at all. Just looking at that as you watch a game. Just, you know, notice the three-point percentages, and especially if they're polarizing at first, watch as they 90% of the time will get closer as the game goes on. Uh, and then finally, this is this is an unprecedented event. Um, basketball is a sport where one or two individuals have such a major impact on a team, uh, except for maybe a quarterback in football or maybe a, a goalie in, in hockey. No other sport comes close to the impact one star has on a team. So if you catch wind of an injury or just a player is not responding or conversely, a player is really just in the zone, kind of like Damian Lillard is right now, you know, that's actionable that, you know, that, that you might bet on or against that based on that. Um, I know this is, is not really, you know, it's kind of painfully simple, but, you know, we were talking about this beforehand. Think of the five people you speak to most often. Uh, you know, one of them is handling the situation better than than most of the group, and unfortunately, another person is most likely on the other side of that spectrum. You know, and you know they're they're players too. You know, how are they dealing with being in a hotel room? You know, in Disney World. You know, like how how are they doing this? So if you see that, if you see an injury, something of that nature, that's actionable information. Uh, especially if you know a guy gets scratched right before a game, something of that nature. Those are those are angles. Um, anything there, Rob, before we move to just kind of basic hockey things, um, or are you ready to just bet all your money on, on uh, NBA sh- uh, three-point shooting variants? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's the second one. No, I want to ask about uh, you hit on something that's kind of like signal-to-noise ratio with this three-point shooting thing, small sample size. I'm wondering if you have any – I mean it's, it seems like it's totally a feel thing to decide when – uh, noise becomes signal, right? Uh, when Damian Lillard gets hot enough, where it's like, okay, this this momentum is is bettable, right? Is continuable. Um, sure, sure. I mean, th- this is really an, an age-old debate. Um, you know, there there's been a lot of um, papers actually written about the hot hand theory, and for a while there, it was it was proven that it was not, and then it was came out, and there was another paper that says it it. it you know, it says it is a real thing. So the hot hand theory is just the guy is on fire, you know, and like the video games when you were a kid, like this guy is unstoppable. And I think anyone that's ever played a sport, you know, and it could be your emotions tricking you would say that the hot hand is a real thing. And I do believe the hot hand is a real thing. That being said, I don't think the hot hand is a large enough thing to make a, a, a you know, more of like, say, than a 5% difference. 
so if this guy is unbelievably locked in, you know, he doesn't go from being a 40% three-point shooter to a 45 or potentially 50% shooter. You know, I, I don't think it's that. But I, I do think there is – with just confidence and things of that nature, there is some sort of bump. Um, but, you know, you, you, a lot of it is watching it, you know. Hockey it might be better to explain here, and we're kind of going to talk about this with the NHL next, but, you know – it, it is a little bit of a feel thing. You know, was that, was that three point shot? Was that a wide open? You know, was that, was that hockey goal? Was that, you know, was that a weird bounce off the boards or is that actually a good pass he made? You know, it's just things of that nature. You know, it was that, and is this repeatable? And that when in doubt, just ask yourself, is that repeatable? And mm-hmm. if it is repeatable, then that, that is signal. If it's not repeatable, that is noise. That's obviously painfully simple. Um, these are unbelievably talented players, especially basketball shooters. Um, but that, that is what we're looking for. So like I said, the seven for 10, I think is good. Cause that's enough sample where, okay, well, it's not just a couple. That's a lot of threes. You know, NBA average is right around like 35, 30, 36, 7%. You know, that's well above that double that pretty much. So they, they are running hot. Now, how much is it they're running? Are they running extremely hot or were a lot of those open looks? Because then mm-hmm. it's not really as much. You know what I mean? Um, I heard Daryl Morey talk about how, you know, these NBA players in practice, you know, they'll make those three-pointers, you know. And he has specialists on his team. But he said a lot of those, like Eric Gordon guys, 80% of the time they'll make a wide-open three, you know, when it, when it's not a game setting, things of that nature. So even though Eric Gordon shoots probably 42 43% from the field. So that, that's just, you know, it, it is. And that, that's the art and science that goes back and forth with it that's fun. Um, but at the end of the day, if they're if they're doubling the NBA average, then then mm-hmm. that is that is you know randomness. That that is right. randomness. Question is how much? How much? And the, the good news is is you know that's why we look at this probabilistically. You know you might bet on the other side, um, and that bet might win 60% of the time, but that means it's going to lose 40% of the time. But you only need it to win 53% of the time or more to be profitable. And that that is the th- that is the process where most people can't wrap their heads around is mm-hmm. you know you're going to make a good bet and it's still going to lose 40 percent of the time and that is what you know gets 90 percent of people that that really want to take this seriously can never get over that hump and it's tough i mean i, I have friends who play poker i have, you know people cannot stomach it and it's and if you can't then you need to get out and even just this being a hobby you really need to get this you know don't don't ever put serious money on it because if you can't do that you'll never be able to make money on this even if you have all the talent in the world, if you cannot let that emotional, you know, uh, tilt is what they call it in gambling. If you, if you go on tilt, you just make bad decisions, you know. So, um, so yeah, let, let's finish it out with some NHL things. Um, I do not bet the NHL. Uh, I did play uh, hockey for about 14 years though, so I'm pretty much a professional. Um, <laughs> that being said, don't don't expect any hot takes. Uh, just some basic an- angles if you're watching playoff hockey, which is which is beautiful. Playoff hockey is fun. Treat yourself to to a game or two. Um, many playoff hockey games come down to a bad uh, or lucky bounce, or maybe a a bad penalty call, or they score on the power play. Um, so instead of focusing on the score, maybe focus more on shots. And really, it's it's high quality shots. So if you think of a hockey rink like a, a basketball court. You know what what's in that paint area? So so kind of right where the goalie is, not not his crease, which is usually in blue, but actually that middle area, right? You know that, that five to ten feet in front of him, a little to the left and the right. They call it the circles. They kind of look like uh, nipples um, for you perverts out there, Rob. 
And anywhere that in between those circles uh, and, and kind of that five to ten foot area, that's the high. You know, obviously, not not rocket science here. It's very close to the goalie. That's the high scoring area. So if you're seeing a lot of shots there, even if they're not going in, over time they will go in. And another metric to look at is time of possession in the opponent's zone. So if they're in the opponent's zone but they don't score, eventually they're going to score. Or, or maybe they didn't score a goal, but they were expected to score two two or three goals based on how much time they had in there. So those are things to, to kind of look at. Uh, if I had to put a number on it, I'd say the right team only wins roughly 70% of, of hockey games. Um, so that, you know, just just uh, an angle would be if one of those 30% times you see that, um, that's a great advantage, you know. So let's say it's the first game of a series, and you know, let's say for example, uh, um, you know, the the Flyers, um, you know, they shouldn't have won, but they win the first game. Then maybe take the other side to win the series because you're saying, well, yeah, you're going to get first of all better odds because they're already down a game, and then you know that you know the Flyers shouldn't have won the first game to begin with. Um, so just just some angles to look at. Uh, another thing is is nothing trumps a hot goalie. Uh, even more than a dominant pitcher and even an elite quarterback in football, a goalie on fire or, or really a goalie that's terrible has a huge impact on a hockey series. Uh, and a lot of times it's just a replacement level goalie. So um, one that, that definitely triggers me is uh, a guy named Yaroslav Halak who played for the Montreal Canadiens. He actually ended up playing for the Capitals later. But he, you know, Caps were this juggernaut. I think they, they won the most points in the Capitals, the team's history. Um, they were the one seed and they played the eight seed and, and this Halak guy fucking stood on his head and just, he destroyed us. Um, but it is true. If you see a hot goalie, um, there's nothing more dangerous in the NHL uh, playoffs. So, or conversely, you see a goalie's playing like shit, no matter how much talent you have on the actual ice, nothing can overcome a bad goalie too. Uh, and then finally, with that being said, hockey is a team sport. You, you need the lucky bounces. You need the good goalie, but you also need the chemistry. You need the you know you need the belief you are always in a game, uh, and the way you can really see this is is how does a team play when they're down or maybe they uh, you know especially if they're down one or two or maybe even three goals or how do they respond after a bad game? So an example would be uh, the Capitals were winning uh, their first game they lost uh, they were excuse me they were winning two nothing uh, they gave up three goals in the third period they looked like absolute dog shit. Pretty much everything you need to know about the Capitals is how they're going to come out in game two tonight. If they don't come out and dominate the Islanders, then they're not going to win the series. And and I'll put money on that. If they, if they don't win tonight, they're not winning the series. Now, obviously, they'll be down 2-0. That's not really the boldest take. But, um, you know, how do they respond? I personally don't think their coach is any good, so I don't think they're going to play well. Um, but that you need those teams to – how do they respond when the bad bounces come? Because, like we said, hockey is so random. You're going to get some bad – you're going to be played from behind. You're going to have bad bounces go your way. How does the team play? Are they still comfortable? Are they still confident? And you can see that if you – even if you're not you know, somebody who watches a lot of hockey, you can just see how they're skating, how they're playing. Um, so, yeah, those are some very, very basic uh, th- uh, things to help you enjoy uh, the wonderful art that is playoff hockey. I do urge everyone to give it a try. Um, but, yeah, I, I think we've kind of covered everything. We didn't want to do too much. This was like a play-in podcast, if you will. Uh, is there anything you wanted to cover before we uh, wrap things up, Rob? No, I think that's great. Okay, I, I do want to be a bit cultured here. Uh, first of all, I talked about how next episode we're going to talk about fantasy football. Um, and then the following episode we're going to do like NFL team previews, uh, betting previews, things of that nature. But for my culture, um, have you ever heard of a team called uh, RB Leipzig? 
RB Leipzig. Uh, Leipzig? Leipzig, yes. Uh, sounds German. No, I haven't heard of him. Yes. So uh, the RB is so. You know, just because we've been having some capitalist issues in this country, I just want to realize, you know, it's all over the world, too. So anyways, uh, Leipzig, obviously you got that right, in Germany, um, is in eastern Germany, which is obviously still a little bit behind western Germany. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's their soccer team, football over there. I'm cultured, okay? And they were essentially purchased about three or four years ago uh, by Red Bull. Uh, they're called RB Leipzig. Uh, part of the Bundesliga, the German League – you do not, you can't have any sort of um, like advertisement in the team's name, so they're not officially called our uh, Red Bull. They they have some freaking weird ass German word that it, it, it's like supposed to be known as. Anyways, all the Bundesliga teams, the German league teams, like protested the their games, things of that nature. Like they're ruining, um, you know, the purity that is that their their sport. Even though Bayern Munich is pretty much the New York Yankees of, of the Bundesliga. Uh, but anyways, RB Leipzig, they won uh, in the Champions League uh, quarterfinals last night. They advanced to the semis. Bayern Munich just beat Barcelona today. Um, so, yeah, I just want to be a little, little cultured here, bring in a little soccer, and, you know, and just realize that, hey, you know, capitalism, it's an issue everywhere. It's not just here. You know? <laughs> it's not, not, not just here. But, yeah, if you ever are interested, I would look up that RB Leipzig uh, controversy. They were, People, were like, wouldn't let their buses into, like, road games, things of that nature. It was pretty – it was pretty uh, – Interesting. I do remember talking to a German once about it, and they were like, yeah, yeah, they'll do it for a couple of years, and then they'll get over it. Uh, but yeah, now they're a powerhouse. They used to be like the shittiest team ever and essentially just, you know, pumped money into this organization, and now they're a juggernaut. Um, but yeah, just wanted to leave you with a bit of culture, Rob. I love I love to get more cultured. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if you don't have anything else to say, uh, I think we'll wrap this up, and uh, we'll see everybody next week. Peace.